0: Want to hone your craft as a digital marketer and get expert insights from thought leaders and industry experts? Welcome to the How I Work podcast. I'm your host, Josh Becerra, founder and president of Agurian. Follow us on Twitter at AgurianTweets or subscribe to our YouTube channel for more great content. Now, here's the episode of the podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Josh Becerra from Agurian. I'm here with Brian Clayton, founder and CEO of GreenPow. Thanks for being here, Brian. Josh, great to be on your show. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, this is awesome. So uh, you have a a great story, uh, kind of started as a service business, moved into software as a service.
1: So why don't you just tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, I'm co-founder, CEO of a company called GreenPow, which is like a Uber but for lawn mowing. So if a homeowner needs to uh, get their lawn mowed rather than calling around all over Facebook or Craigslist, just download our app, pop your address in and you can hire somebody to come mow your yard right through our app. And Green Pal is a 10-year overnight success. My two co-founders and I have been at this for about uh, about a decade. Yeah. And now, now we're nationwide in the United States, anywhere in the United States with uh, a, a city or town over 50,000 people. We've, we've got service providers and you can order lawn mowing services uh, by pushing a button anywhere in the United States. Over 300,000 people use the app to get their lawn mowed. That's amazing. And uh, the first few years were, were, were challenging uh, getting the marketplace going, getting the app going, but we stuck it out. And I think consistency and not giving up is just, is just how we've gotten to where we are. Yeah. Uh, Before Green Pal, I actually had a lawn mowing business. I I ran a landscaping company for 15 years. I started uh, mowing yards in high school as a way to make extra cash. And little by little grew uh, one of the larger landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee where I live. And sold that business in 2013 after getting it over 10 million a year in revenue. It had like 150 employees. And after I sold it, I took like a year off, got bored. Thought, what am I going to do with my life now? And I decided to start this company GreenPal. And so yeah. here we are 22 years in, in, in one industry. Wow.
0: Yeah, that is like the coolest story. And I think this like, you, you talked about it a little bit, but like this transition that you made from kind of a, a service based business, which sounds like it was super successful. You had an exit. That's great. But you went from kind of like this blue collar business to like this tech enabled marketplace business. Like how, how did that transition go for you? Like, what did you learn from that?
1: Well, I was seduced by naivete. Uh, So this is the common misconception that a lot of people uh, in the analog world, I guess you could say, have. And I certainly had it. Uh, I built a a, a large landscaping company. It was like organized chaos every day, Uh, over 100 employees. It was a hand-to-hand combat every single day. And it was challenging running that company. And when I sold it, I thought, whoo, that was really tough. Uh, I don't ever want to do that again. Yeah. Uh, and then I thought, man, you know what would be really cool is uh, is a software business, uh, one that you know you just have bits and and bytes, and you don't have atoms, you don't have people, and and uh, it'd be a lot easier, uh, it'd be a lot less headaches, and mm-hmm. and that's what I really want to do. Because all those guys are getting rich, and yeah. and uh, that's what I'm going to go do. And and uh, no, boy, I didn't know. Uh, yeah, no headaches. <laughs> boy, <laughs> I didn't know what I didn't know uh, well, quickly was confronted. Uh, so I had the idea for uh, an app should exist to, to make it easy just to order a lawn mowing service. And I didn't really understand how challenging that that was going to be to build that. And as it turns out, my second company, Green pal has been 10 times harder than my first yeah. company, uh, 10 times more challenging, uh, which is great because it, it has caused me to level up, caused me to grow, caused me to evolve, learn new things I never would have learned. So I like that. But um, I hear this a lot uh, from, from new founders. It's like, oh, you know, I just want a business like yours, where it's just all software-driven. I don't have all these headaches. And it's like, that's not, not actually how it is. It, it actually yeah. is a lot harder than it looks.
0: Yeah. So um, you know, one of the things that you talked about when we were prepping for this was um, how second-time founders think differently than first-time founders, right? So you know, you you had your successful first business, you got into your your second business. So can you tell me a little bit about those thoughts that you have about the difference between first-time and second-time founders? Since you just kind of touched on that, yeah.
1: You uh, so so this is something that confronts you and surprises surprised me uh when i was building green pal you you the first first time founders worry about product uh second time founders worry about distribution mm-hmm. and so what i mean by that is is like if you build it they will not come and and you think about like as a first time founder you worry about like what the product should look like and what kind of problem you're solving and you really like obsess over these details yeah and then you launch it, and then you, then you realize it's like pushing on a string to, to get anybody to try it, to use it. Uh, and nobody gives a crap about what you've just spent a year building. Like, right. And they don't care how well it's designed. And, and actually, what you come to understand is distribution and marketing and getting awareness around the product and getting people to try it and use it and keep using it is actually 10 times harder than just building the product in the first place. Yeah. And, and so if you've done this and gone through all of that pain as a second-time founder... You start to really uh, over index. You over index on distribution than product, and so right. it's like, okay, yeah, I know you have this product idea that's great, but what is the uh, innovation around around driving people to the product? That's what I care about because if we can't solve that, then none of the other stuff matters. And and I see this a lot, and so second time founders know that like, okay, distribution is 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 more important than than product is, and and so you see like. For example, I was talking to a guy who, who, who started a marketplace around uh, uh, connecting people with roommates. And the first thing he did was he started building up Facebook groups in major cities that he wanted to launch his service. And he spent like three years building up like a Facebook group in St. Louis with 80,000 people, a, a Facebook group in Seattle with 100,000 people. Yeah. Then, So now he's got distribution. So now he can layer in whatever little app that he has to get it in front of eyeballs. That's the right way to go about doing these things. And, yeah, and if you've kind of gone, th- gone through the fire of trying to get people to try your new product, you understand, start with distribution first, then, then build the product.
0: Yeah. Love that. That is a uh, great, great advice. So um, talking about distribution. I know you're a big believer in like this one channel approach. Um, so can you, Talk about that philosophy and like what, what the one channel approach is for you.
1: I think as a new founder, new startup, a new burgeoning company, particularly if you're going to be self-funded, uh, you gotta be, you gotta do two things. You gotta be the best in the world at whatever your problem solution is. You have to be the best in your market at that 10 times better than the other solution. Like for instance, for us, for green pal, we are just the best way in the United States to get a basic lawn mowing service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so much easier than, than any other, we're, we're not great at pool cleaning, home cleaning. We don't worry about, we don't worry about gutter like lawn you, mowing. That's it. Boy, yeah. do I have a product for you? And, and so, so you have to focus on that and then, Uh, You really kind of have to be the best in your market, your service at at one channel in terms of marketing, in terms of how you're going to compete in that channel, because all these channels are oversaturated and and you really you have to focus on being really good at one. And so there's 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 product market fit there. So it's like I have a product that people are paying for. They like using. And then there's product channel fit, which is like I have a product. This is the channel for it. And I'm just throwing all of my weight into that one channel. So let's say you've got a new fashion brand. Uh, SEO is probably not a good uh, fit for your new fashion line. Uh, But TikTok is, uh, or Instagram is. And like, if you just focus on really understanding TikTok and and really understanding influencer marketing and really understanding how to create the best content around that and not worrying about Twitter, Pinterest, uh, IG, uh, Facebook, uh, Google, just really focus on the one, then you can you can create some traction and learn and iterate from there. The problem is, is a lot of new founders try to be like half ass good at all these things, and then they don't get any traction in any of them, and they don't they don't win in any of them, and then they then they stall and lose they 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 lose uh, hope uh, because nobody nobody's trying the product. So really try to test and then invest in what the best ch- channel is and go all in on one channel is my philosophy now. Now, if you're like, you know, $10 million plus in, uh, five years plus in, maybe you've raised a bunch of money. You know, you can have different teams on different things. Maybe, maybe that evolves, but in the early days, you're really going to have to focus on one channel.
0: Yeah. And I think the other thing that, um, you know, really early stage founders will do is they'll, they'll start dabbling in all these different places. And then it's like really hard for them to actually understand what is driving the impact. Like then, then you're like, oh my gosh, I've, you know, like we are growing. It's awesome. How are, how are we doing that? And it's like, well, I'm not sure if it was the social influencer stuff or the SEO. And so then it's just like, it's not as valuable, right? So right. I love the the one channel approach. So in in Green, Green Pals um, approach, I think it's like content and SEO is like where your where your focus is, right? Can you talk a little bit about like the content side of things and your what you're doing with GreenPal from a one-channel approach?
1: Yeah, as I look back over the last 10 years, you know we have invested all of this time, money, resources, and effort into building the best system for getting quotes, hiring a lawn care service, getting, getting them scheduled, them getting paid, them running their whole business on our platform. I mean, like a tremendous amount of effort has gone into building that platform. Yeah. However much work that was, we have put twice the amount of work into, into competing in organic search, uh, developing content around the best landscape services in Wichita, Kansas, or the best lawn mowing services in Seattle, Washington, or, you know, like thousands, like carpeting the internet with our content uh, as it relates to lawn mowing services and landscape maintenance services. So, so however much work it was building the platform, it was twice the work and still is twice the work at competing in organic search. And so that's what I mean by like, we're not really good at TikTok ads. We're not good at Instagram reels. We're not good at Twitter marketing. We don't do Pinterest marketing. We don't do Facebook ads. We do one thing. We create the best content for for what people are looking for when they need a lawn mowing service. And so then they're exposed to the GreenPow app, the GreenPow platform as a solution to their problem. And that's inbound marketing one-on-one. And that's what we do. And so- and so uh, we try to look at the exhaust that the platform creates, and then use that uh, uh, to create content around uh, what are the best lawn mowing services in Buffalo, New York, and and surface that information to people when they're looking for a lawn mowing service in Buffalo. So that's our strategy. That's what we've done for a decade, and and that's how we get over half of our users. The other half come from word of mouth, and it works for us. And we're we're just going to keep doing that until we reach the end, which it doesn't. We haven't reached the point of diminishing returns yet.
0: Yeah. Wow, I love that. I love that idea of like pulling the exhaust off of what's coming from the website to help you like generate more. And hopefully like This, this goes, goes for a, every business. This,
1: this goes, goes for, for every, every business.
0: Yeah, this little piece of content that we're making today is just another drop in that in that bucket, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you have a hair salon, there is exhaust leaving the shop that you can use to re repurpose back into the flywheel to get more people into the hair salon. Yeah. And that's people who come in with crappy hair and leave with great hair. Like that is exhaust from what you're doing every day that you need to be repurposing back into the flywheel in the business. Yeah. Love that.
0: So, um, you know, you've got a marketplace, right? So you have all of your lawn service pros that of course you need to have a, a fair amount of them to deliver the service, but you also need to like, uh, bring in people like me who need that, that type of service. Right. So you've got like the two headed monster, which is uh, marketplace. So a um, lot of data, I'm sure. What did you say? Like 300,000 users or something. So you got yeah. a lot of data. So how are you leveraging all that data? Like make some of the marketing decisions, especially
1: with this like context of the marketplace. So in the early days of building a marketplace, there's an overemphasis on uh, leveraging like data and A/B testing and and all of this stuff that I that I see founders or new founders make the mistake. So in a, in an early like you have, you have two customers right you have the chicken and egg problem, and the way we kind of got through that was just hand cranking it. Uh, you know we've got ten vendors. In Nashville, Tennessee, we need to get a hundred consumers and nothing else matters until we figure that out. Okay, now we've got that. Let's learn from that and let's try to get to a thousand consumers and a hundred vendors and it's working our way through that. Mm -hmm. And 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 we weren't looking at data. We weren't looking at, we weren't leveraging data. We were like talking to users. (laughs) Like it was and and that was the the playbook for that stage of the game. Um a mistake I see new founders make is like they have 20 customers and they're doing A B testing. And it's like, you don't need to do A, B testing. You need an order of magnitude, more traffic. You need an order of magnitude, more people using it. Like you're wasting your time. So yeah. so that's a, one quick point I want to make that like, I don't want people to like hear my advice around data and say, oh, that's what I need to go do. Take it. Take a uh, like a, an analysis of where you're at in terms of like the 10 levels of the game. Maybe if you're on level one, you need to be talking to customers and less, less, less so worried about the data. Now that we've got, hundreds of thousands of people using the app, you know, as we speak right now, thousands of transactions happening now, now it it makes sense. Maybe we're on level six of the game. Let's look at the data. Let's see what it's telling us. Let's see what happened. You know, what, what is it, what does really price mean uh, in terms of, of, of people hiring contractors? Is it the lower the price, the, the, the greater, the, the activation, or is there a sweet spot? Uh, Are we really trying to drive the costs down? which was a, which was a, a a hypothesis that we had at one point, which turned out to be false. Okay. It's actually, it's actually not price. It's will the guy show up on the day he's supposed to show up? Yep. That is the problem we're solving. And so, and so like, we didn't really understand it. till we started really looking at the data. It's like, no, actually it's, it's people book more and spend more money when the vendor is reliable, not Mm -hmm. when the vendor is $5 cheaper. Yeah. And so that was the insight we got out of like after a couple thousand transactions. And, and uh, we never would have gotten to that point had we not hand cranked it in the early days. So, so it's important to know when to like let the data speak, when to spend the time and invest into analyzing the data, and, and then using the data to, to drive decision-making and how your you know, what your value proposition is and, wh- and where you're focusing your firepower. And, and that's what, you know, that's, that's how we do it to drive internal decisions. And then, and then we also use data to surface content. Like if you're looking for great landscaping services in Indiana, we have a we have a, a resource that shows you by zip code, what the average lawn mowing price is per zip code, yeah. by county, what the average like uh, shrub pruning price is by county. And we use our data to, to create that content to then generate the traffic to drive more signups. So that's kind of like a flywheel, you know, yeah. you know transactions occurring, Uh, Data getting created, data being repurposed for content, content creating more homeowners, homeowners signing up up to use a service, which which creates more vendors, which creates more homeowners. So you want to look for that flywheel that you can create in, in your business.
0: Well, and I also just love like the example you gave where it's like, it's really about reliability. And so then you can take that like learning and go to like the dev team and say like, what are some of the things that we could do that would like help a customer, Josh, who's waiting to know, like, hey, reliably, this person is showing, like, what can we do to set up reminders for the vendor, set up some sort of tracking for like the homeowner, like, who knows what it could turn Absolutely. out to But you can like, take those business insights and say, let's try to like, build more reliability into the system. So I just, I love that when you're at a certain scale, you can actually take, like, make real decisions on really interesting business insights. And those early stage people probably don't probably need to go be belly belly with the customer exactly. And not, and not worry so much about the data.
1: Okay. That's, so, that's exactly right. And, 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 and that's, that's what I want to beat into people's heads is like, it's, it, you'll know it, you'll know when you have enough of the data to then make the switch. But the problem I see with a lot of new founders is they want to skip all that. Cause it's not fun sitting at somebody's kitchen counter or, or at Starbucks in a a suburb of Atlanta talking with somebody, then telling you how much you suck. Yeah, It's not fun, (laughs) but uh, you have to do it. You have to, it's just part of it.
0: I love it, yeah. So uh, last question, you know, when we were prepping, I heard you use the term asynchronous mentorship. Um, And it was like the first time I'd ever, I'd ever heard this term. And I thought it was super cool. Normally I'm asking people about like, what books they're reading and things. But like for you, I think that this concept was super interesting. So can you talk to us a little bit about what you mean by asynchronous mentors and thought leaders?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's something that I kind of came across I guess out of necessity. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. And so this is not a, uh, a bastion of consumer tech product successes. So it's not like I can go to a meetup and, and tap somebody on the shoulder that built a consumer app with a million users and get their feedback. I don't have access to the, I never have had access to those people, uh, those types of people that have done that. And so I think when you're taking advice from somebody, Mark Cuban has a great quote, never take advice from somebody who hasn't already done what it is you're trying to do. Yeah. So that's step one. Uh, Step two is, okay, so how do you get access to these people? Well, I never, I didn't have personal like uh, access to these people. So I had to, you know, rather than like hitting them up on LinkedIn and saying, can I pick your brain? Uh, you know, I'm not, it's not the kind of person I am. And, and so I just I consume everything that that people are putting out that are doing or have done what it is I'm trying to do. Yeah. And if you're and if and if you're doing this right, you know, over a period of time, you can get mentored asynchronously. Sure. Uh, from people who are doing things that you're trying to do at a very granular level at the execution level. And so I've got probably 30 mentors over the last 10 years that I have followed and consumed every fireside chat they've ever given on YouTube or at a conference that I couldn't afford to go to or something like that, or, yeah. or every book they've ever read or blog post, or podcast interview or whatever. These, these people are putting out content not because they're trying to sell you a course or anything like that. Maybe they're trying to raise raise awareness around their brand or their personal brand or whatever. But the reality is, is the learnings and the content are there for you to consume and learn from asynchronously. Yeah. So uh, a guy that uh, that that uh, that I like that I like to follow. His name is Casey Winters, and he was he was like the first um, marketer at Grubhub. And okay. so why am I following a, 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 the first marketer? at Grubhub? Well, uh, lawn mowing services, push a button and get lawn mowing services is kind of where food delivery was in 2008. Yep. It, it wasn't like uh, you would you would choose from Grubhub or DoorDash or Postmates or Uber Eats. It was like you would still call the restaurant and then maybe like you would discover Grubhub. So yep. it's the same situation that we're in today with trying to bring lawn mowing services online. And so I I've learned a lot from this guy in terms of, and, and how he talks about getting Grubhub from like $10,000 a month to a million dollars a month in revenue and the things they did. And he talks about it and he, ta- and, he, and he writes blog posts about it, how to create a marketplace to do these sorts of things. And so if you're doing this right, your, your mentors are people that nobody else has ever heard of. They're below the radar, but they're still putting out content. They've done the things you're trying to do and you're learning from them asynchronously. Maybe at some point you, meet, you hit them up and meet them. Yeah, but but uh, but that's how it's that's how I've experienced it, and 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 over ten years, I've I've gone from like blue collar entrepreneur, you know, redneck grass cutting landscaping service to to tech entrepreneur, and that's how I did it.
0: Yeah, well, you have an awesome story, awesome company. I really appreciate the time you've been dropping some awesome knowledge bombs on us, especially for like those early stage SaaS entrepreneurs. So I want to thank you, Brian. Um, and all the success with GreenPal. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, this has been great. That's going to do it for this uh, edition of How I Work. Thanks, Brian. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the How I Work podcast with Josh Becerra. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe. To learn more about Agurian and for more digital marketing tips and insights, head to agurian.com.